welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Femtech Focus Podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These are scientists, doctors, innovators, researchers. They're telling us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. My name is Dr. Brittany Barreto. I have a PhD in molecular and human genetics, anything genome, DNA-based, send it my way. Love it. Total nerd. Um, my background is in genetics, but then I started my first company called Faramore. Faramore turned into the first nationwide DNA-based dating app, finding love using your genes. And then I became a venture capitalist and a startup consultant. So I work with founders and I help them find capital. I mentor them and I work for a really awesome company that also has our own venture fund and so we can invest in startups. Um, with this background of science, entrepreneurship, and now investing, I have found myself absolutely obsessed with femtech. And today, we are going to talk about what is femtech, why it's important, and what you can do about it to support the mission. Let's go. So, what is femtech? First of all, femtech was coined by the founder of Clue, the fertility tracking app in 2013. And femtech refers to technology, services, and products that improve women's health and wellness. What does that mean? <laughs> well, it, it means that they address women's specific health needs. Um, here's some examples. Medical devices for female reproductive organs. So the vagina, the pelvic floor for women, uh, uterus, fallopian tubes, uh, breasts. So any medical device that addresses these biologically unique parts of the lady's body. Um, it includes pelvic floor and uterine care, includes menopause, fertility, like IVF or at-home testing, support for postpartum depression, pregnancy, both, both uh, prenatal and postnatal care, breastfeeding, pumps, breastfeeding and work, telehealth, lactation consultations, feminine hygiene, tampons, pads, wipes, cups, Sexual wellness, yes. We're going to talk about sex on this podcast too because sexual wellness is wellness. So devices to make sex comfortable for women, products that are safe for a woman's flora, menstruation, like period tracking apps, contraceptives, like direct-to-consumer birth control. So as you can see, Femtech, it may sound niche because it only addresses one gender per se, but it's actually pretty broad because there's a lot of things going on in a lady's body that need addressing and you may not have even thought about all these different topics and um, I think that's because we're, there's not enough awareness and that's part of the reason we're doing this podcast is because people uh, feel shocked when they hear about all these different needs that women have and they're not being addressed. So. Um, I'm really, really excited to be diving into all these different topics with y'all, and we're going to be bringing in experts on all of these. Again, not only just like founders and innovators that are making products for them, but 
I want to talk to public health professionals, doctors, policymakers, academic researchers. I want to talk to all y'all. If you do women's health and wellness research or work or, you know, advocating, message me. Let's get you on the podcast. Um, so one of the biggest uh, things that people confuse about in femtech is that it has to do with female founders. Let me stop you right there. Femtech is not female founders. Um, it is gender agnostic in terms of the founder's gender. It is gender specific in terms of the technology. So 80% of femtech founders are in fact women because again, most of the uh, society doesn't even know what women's needs are. And a lot of times founders are creating something that they were experiencing a problem with, right? A, a technology that improves something that is fixing something they personally were struggling with. So it makes sense that 80% of femtech founders are women. But this is not a female founder only podcast. This is not a female founder only industry. 80 or excuse me, 20% of femtech founders are men. Go men. There are male gynecologists and innovators that, you know, um, have a wife or just are, you know, woke enough and want to innovate something for women's health and wellness. So femtech, not female founder specific. Although I am pretty excited about most of them being women. Um, so that's what femtech is. Again, technology, services, products, and improve women's health and wellness, and that's what we're going to talk about. Now you may say, okay, that sounds great, but like, can you give me some concrete examples? No worry, I got you. So let me go through some big successes. So these are ones that you may have already heard of. Uh, Third Love. So Third Love is actually a bra company. So they create bras that actually fit women's bodies. All right. So unlike Victoria's Secret that thinks that everyone wants their breasts touching the bottom of their chin, Third Love knows that women just want to be comfortable so they can get on with their day and their life. Um, and so Third Love is super awesome. I think they're coming close to a billion dollar valuation. I've met the founder. She's amazing. Um, they have had a lot of beef with uh, Victoria's Secret. I hope one day we can get the founder of Third Love on here and talk about that. It's it's really interesting. One of the things I love the most about Third Love is they have they are using big data to make bras that fit women well. So they have this questionnaire and they have a result based on billions of data points. You know, thousands of women having submitted this response to figure out what is the best bra for you. And I think they even have patented like half size cups and stuff. Super cool. Um, one last plug for third love is that they are incredibly inclusive. So not only do they have women of different color in their marketing, but they also have women that are like disabled and different, you know, um, just all the diversity, all the categories, um, they are, you know, on it and super, super cool, super woke. Next I have is uh, NURX, N-U-R-X. It's a direct-to-consumer birth control. I'm actually a customer. I was tired of having to go to my gynecologist every year, and it's, it's like telehealth where you ask, uh, you answer some questions online, and they have um, doctors that will, you know, check your questionnaire and then prescribe you birth control without ever having to go to the doctor, and they mail it to my house every month. They're awesome. Um, we got Progeny. Progeny. 
is a fertility benefits marketplace. They actually just IPO'd. IPO'd means um, it's like an exit, but you exit to the public market. So the uh, regular part, uh, public can buy stocks and trades in it. They IPO'd for $1.3 billion. So if anyone tells you Femtech isn't lucrative, they they wrong. they very wrong because Progeny IPO'd $1.3 billion fertility benefits marketplace. Next up, we got Thinks. Thinks is period-proof underwear. Um, also met this founder. She's also a super badass. Um, they're super cool. And they were, um, again, all of these companies have such cool stories. I wanted all the founders to come on and talk to me about their experiences. But Thinks um, was in the media a lot a few years ago because they had an advertisement up with the, um, the word period on it. And it was deemed inappropriate. And that, you know... People were like, are you kidding me? Like, right next to the Thinks advertisement is, you know, a beer advertisement with women's breasts and it's super sexualized, but the Thinks ad that says period is inappropriate. <sighs> These are the, that's the reason I have this podcast, y'all, because we got to talk about it. We got to talk about this so that people stop thinking that the word period on an advertisement is inappropriate because it's obviously not half the population is going through this, you know? We have periods, y'all, okay? All right, obviously you can tell how I'm... <laughs> I have a lot of emotions and opinions about this. This is why I started a podcast. Um, and then I want to talk to you about uh, Lalu. So it's a breastfeeding compression bra. Super cool. So it is a bra, but it has, uh, you know, engineered a compression mechanism in it to support women when they're breastfeeding. Woo! Those are some examples. You may have heard of them. Um, you may not have. Who knows? But um, I'd like to tell you about some other companies that I've personally been tracking. Um, I'm, I've worked with most of them personally. Some of them I haven't. But I just want to give you, um, first of all, to support these femtech companies, but also to just further broaden your understanding of what is included in femtech. All right. Because currently, I'm tracking about 700 femtech startups around the world. So again, not niche, super big, huge market, lots of innovation, so many problems still need fixing. If you're interested in starting a startup, I recommend doing it in femtech. So here's some, here's some other companies I'm a big fan of. Um, Eggs Chain. Eggs Chain, super dope. It's a blockchain technology to track eggs and sperm during the IVF in vitro fertilization process. So apparently there is so many documentations that need to be passed along through many people when an egg is donated or sperm is donated. And the current standard is, let's say, um, you know, a woman is struggling with infertility. She decides to do IVF and she needs um, a sperm donor. Okay, so maybe it's actually her partner, her male partner struggling with fertility. She really wants to have a baby. He supports this. They're going to get a donated sperm. So they will literally look through a book like a like a binder with printed out pictures of the donor and descriptions of where they graduated. What was their SAT score? A description of like their behaviors. I'm not kidding. This is true. And it's a binder like like plastic wrapped pieces of paper with profiles this is this is in the world of uh facebook and instagram right like can you imagine trying to make friends through this like laminated binder but that's how people currently in ivf choose their donor and so 
one of the issues here is that, you know, there's a lot of um, HIPAA compliance and, you know, you can't, you can't just have people on the internet, like just showing all this information who's donated and, you know, how many kids you might have in the world if you donated sperm at one time, right? There's all these different th issues and a technology that can solve this issue or, you know, support it is blockchain. So blockchain, this is not a blockchain app, so I'm not going to get too deep into it. Also, that's not my expertise, but a blockchain is essentially a way to distribute data over multiple servers to ensure security and privacy of that data. That's my really short way of talking about blockchain. And so um, this founder who made Eggschain has harvested this type, harvested, that that's a bad verb to use in this situation, but she has uh, empowered, created, built, innovated, whatever. She made um, blockchain technology in order to support tracking eggs that are donated and tracking sperm that is donated so that you can have a digital website that has all these profiles on it and you know that it is secure. Um, so you don't have to go through this laminated binder. Um, you can be in 2020 and be on a website and scroll through profiles while still having data security. Eggs chain, check it out, super cool. Next up is Work and Mother. Work and Mother, founded by my friend Abby. I have been friends with her for years. Super cool to see her go from ideation to like a full-on company. Work and Mother is addressing breastfeeding in the workplace. So women have a baby, stay home for a few weeks, certainly not long enough, in my personal opinion, you know, based on our, you know, system, government system, podcast for another day. But women go back to work, but they want to continue breastfeeding. And so what they do is they go into like an empty conference room or their hot car or like a janitor's closet that's provided by their lovely business they work for and they pump. And this is not sufficient to provide great milk production for women because if you're too hot, if you're stressed, if you're uncomfortable, like there's less milk that comes out and this is a chronic issue, right? It's cyclical. So then there's less milk for the baby. And then the mom, you know, is like, why am I even trying to do this? This is so inconvenient anyways. And so what working mother does is it provides a lactation suite. So a room that has um, uh, equipment for the woman to use. So she, she only has to bring her own cups that attach to the breast, but otherwise all the equipment is provided. Um, it has a refrigerator, it has lovely colors, really comfortable um, furniture, a chair where she can continue to do emails while she's pumping, super cool. But the unique part about it is Abby, working mother, is targeting office buildings. So, you know, we're here right now, This well, I'm recording in Houston, Texas. We have this huge downtown with, you know, hundreds of giant buildings. And in these buildings, there's hundreds of companies. And not each one can afford to have a lactation suite. And so what they can do is all the businesses in this building can subscribe on a low monthly fee to support the lactation suite that is for the building. And so now women in a 10-person company doesn't have to ask their company to, you know, build out a lactation suite for her. They just have to pay a small monthly fee to go towards this really, really awesome lactation suite. Um, and it's good for the business because the woman can be happy and continue to work while she's in there. And, and everyone's just, you know, better energy. Empower women, y'all. Empower them. Oh my gosh, I'm talking a lot about all of these, but I just love them so much. Here's another one. Nest Collective, we're, we're sticking on the lactation train here. 
So Nest Collective is a woman who realized that women were getting a little bit of training once they gave birth about uh, breastfeeding and lactation. They would go home and then they would try to come back to the hospital if they could. And this is like a um, socioeconomic issue as well because, you know, if you're able to, you can, you know, drive back to the hospital if you have time. But if you, if you don't have transportation, you take a bus, like bringing your newborn back to the hospital two days after you gave birth is super tough. And so, um, again, podcast for another day. We're going to have so many podcasts, y'all. There's so many episodes. <laughs> There's so many things to talk about. Um so Nest Collective is telehealth for lactation. So women can go home and if they're like, damn, I really could use some extra support or information or I have questions about breastfeeding my baby, instead of having to go back to the hospital, she can sign in to Nest Collective and get a telehealth professional to essentially Skype with her through their platform and get that telehealth lactation consultation right then and there covered by insurance, super dope, super important. Next up, Materna Medical. Materna Medical, oh, Tracy. Tracy's my friend, she's a CEO. She's not the original founder, but the company is is progressed enough along that the CEO is no longer the founder. That's, you know, common when, you, when you're growing a business, a lot of times founders are super techie or they're experts, but they're not the right business person. So this lovely woman named Tracy, she is now the CEO. And what Materna Medical does, Whew, you ready for this? It's like a little donut that goes into a woman's vagina when she's giving birth to help stretch out the pelvic floor so that the when the woman gives birth, she doesn't rip between her vagina and her anus. I know, a little graphic, but we're going to talk about that kind of stuff on here because it's freaking important. And there's so many people not talking about it because it's like, ew, I don't want to know that. But it's like, get over yourself. So many millions of women around the world are experiencing this ripping, um, you know, thing, this this thing that's happening, this horrible, horrible thing. And since no one's talking about it, no one thinks it needs addressing and it absolutely needs addressing. So what Maternal Medical did was they made this device that doctors, when women are starting to go into labor, they insert it and it helps support stretch out that pelvic floor. And it actually decreases, like significantly decreases how often a woman rips when actually giving the birth of the child. Um, absolutely incredible, super important. Uh, they also have an at-home device for women who have just really tight tel- pelvic floors to the point that sex is uncomfortable. They can use this at-home device, obviously way less intense than the birthing one, but um, they can use this at-home device to stretch out their pelvic floor. Again, an issue that millions of women are suffering from, and no one thought it was an issue because we ain't talking about it, but that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about it. Now, another company is Come and Gone. Super cool. Uh, we're we're going to stick on the vagina train, but we're going to go over to sexual wellness. So Come and Gone is essentially like this... Uh, tampon for post-sex cleansing. So um, a lot of women, you know, we have sex and then you just kind of wipe yourself, right? With like toilet paper or a towel. And no one has thought like maybe women deserve a little bit better because you know what? Wiping a hole is not how holes get clean. So that's not how holes work, right? And so Come and Gone is a um, startup that provides this after-sex um, you know, device, uh, you know, we, one use time um, of cleaning out the 
the hoo-ha, the vagina, the canal after sex so that women aren't just wiping themselves with toilet paper. Super cool. All right, got a few more here. Let's see. Um, we got Prove. Prove is a fertility at-home testing. So they show that uh, progesterone is the hormone um, that really predicts if you're fertile or not. And so you need an at-home progesterone test. And Prove has a simple, um, you know, pianistic kind of thing that you can test yourself for your levels of progesterone and you can know when you're fertile, when you should get it on, when's the most likely time that you are going to get pregnant. They're out of Colorado. Super cool. Um, man, I have a lot of other ones here too, but let's just leave those for other episodes. If you want to know, uh, if you want to deep dive in any of these, let me know. I'm going to be contacting all of these founders, both the successful ones and the like still in the startup grind ones. And we're going to try to get all those founders on here. So if you have questions you want specifically for these companies that I just talked about, send them to me because I will ask them. I will. I will ask them. Whew, so that's what Femtech is. Now you have some examples. Now you know what they're addressing. Now I want to talk about why it's important. If you're not convinced, if you're not convinced enough why it's important, let's let's dive into that a little bit more. So I have three top reasons why Femtech is so important. Number one, that it's vital innovation. Vital. The definition of vital means life-giving. So it's life-giving information. Number two, empowering women in developing countries. And number three, Empowering women's health is an empowerment movement for everyone, the economy, the family, for men. So let's dive into these a little bit. So number one, Femtech's important because it's life-giving innovation. Let me give you some examples. Um, the vaginal stint. So a stint is a medical device that is placed into the body whenever you have an orifice that has um, you know, been injured or is being reconstructed or had surgery on because an orifice like a like a tube or a canal, right? When you have an injury, your body doesn't necessarily know to not close that hole, right? It's like, oh my gosh, there's an injury. We should fix it. And so a stint is a is a medical device placed into these types of tubing in your body all over to ensure that your body doesn't close that hole, right? You're supporting it. You're saying, no, 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 body, let this stay open. There is no such thing as a vaginal stint. I'm not kidding you. I am recording this in March 2020, and there's no such thing as a vaginal stint. What the heck, y'all? So what, what does that mean? What that means is that my friend, uh, Dr. Julie Hakeem, she's definitely coming on the show. She's a pediatric gynecologist in uh, Texas Medical Center. She works at a really, really prestigious hospital. And when she does reconstructive surgery on little girls, you know, um, uterus, uh, vaginas, um, um, labia, she, do, she does all different kind of work for girls, whether they were born with issues or they got in an accident or something happened. What she has to do to makeshift a vaginal stint is she takes a glove, a medical glove, puts cotton into it, inserts it into the girl's vagina, and then sews her labias shut. Sews them shut, y'all. This sounds like Hellraiser or something, right? It sounds terrible. The girl is then to lay in the hospital for one week without moving because otherwise this like makeshift stint will fall out. And then she has to have another surgery where the stutures, stitchers are um, removed and the this quote-unquote stint is then removed and the girls can go home. This is garbage. 
This is absolutely garbage. Some So Julie actually took it upon herself to invent, and she's patented the first ever vaginal stint. It's going into clinical trials. This is important, y'all. Um, not only is it for surgery, but also any women that have um, cancer in their lower pelvic area, so ovarian, uterine, cervical, whenever you have cancer down there and you have radiation treatment, you're at very high risk of the vagina actually melting shut. I'm not kidding. It literally can melt shut. And there's actually um, statistics on divorce rate of men and women post women surviving cancer because the shop is closed. Their vagina is sealed shut. I know. I know. It's crazy. I know. Support Femtech, y'all. This is the kind of things I'm talking about here. Um, some other statistics for you to know, speculum. So speculum is the device that uh, gynecologists use when a woman has a well wellness check. They, it's a, it looks like a little duck uh, bill. It's inserted into the woman, cranked open. It's super uncomfortable. It's super cold. It's rigid. It's no one, no lady likes it. It's not fun at all. Nothing, zero, zero percent. The speculum, that device, was invented in 1887, and the thing they use today in 2020 is the same one. Speculums have not been innovated because, well, it's functional, so why would we care about women being comfortable? And that's garbage. We should totally innovate that. Another, one, another statistic for you to know is that the anatomy of the clitoris was discovered in 1998. Let me say that again in case you thought you didn't hear it right. The clitoris, the anatomy of the clitoris was discovered in 1998. Before that, we did not know what it looked like. That's outrageous. That's a, that's a key organ in a woman's body, and we didn't know what it looked like till 1998. So other social impact parts about Femtech is that we're empowering women in developing countries. So, you know, uh, girls in Africa, they can't you know, afford or get provided with, uh, you know, 20 tampons for the week that they're on their period, right? And then they stay home from school because they can't go to school with blood dripping down their legs. And then they miss out on school, they get far behind. And then, you know, all of a sudden we have women that are girls that are not getting educated simply because they don't have something for their natural bi biological process. And so menstrual cups have really revolutionized that because menstrual cups are reusable. You only need one. And it's, you know, I think that there, we can talk a lot more about, and this is something I don't know enough about, admittedly, and I want to know more about, is how can we um, influence governments to support femtech initiatives, right? So like the governments in Africa, how are they supporting girls on their period so that they continue to go to education? Is that something they're even interested in doing? I don't know. That's, I want to know about it. If you research that, if that's something that you in particular research, please reach out to me. Let's interview you. I want more info on it. And lastly, improving women's health improves a family's health. It improves the economy's health. When women are healthy, they can go to work, um, you know, more often. They don't have to stay home with cramps. They don't have to stay home because their menopause, like, didn't let them sleep last night because of the hot flashes. Um, and even if they go to work, they can be more present and productive because they're feeling healthy, they're feeling comfortable, they're feeling well. Um, this has a huge economic impact. It has an impact on women's empowerment, um, rising up to the top of the CEO or the board level. Um, if they can stay engaged because they're not needing to excuse themselves due to, you know, biological issues that could be addressed if somebody innovated something, um, we could actually empower women. Um, and empowering women empowers the whole family, y'all.
Um, let's go into the market size. So again, this is not a niche market. Fertility is worth $36 billion. Feminine hygiene, $63 billion. Sexual wellness, $37 billion. Um, women have massive purchasing power. Women spend over $20 trillion with a T. $20 trillion worldwide is capital deployed by women. They are, they are buyers. We are purchasers. We are, we are a huge part of this economy, um, the world economy. 85% of consumer purchases are um, made by women. 80% of healthcare decisions and purchases are made by women. So again, women are, are in control of a lot of purchases. They're in control of a lot of money. Um, also, like I said, 80% of femtech founders are female. And the statistics are out, y'all. Female founders are killing it. Twice as much revenue as companies with male founders. 35% higher return on investment for investors when they invest in a female founder. 22% lower employee turnover when you have a female founder of a company. These are statistics that investors should be really considering when they're looking at their next investment. Just saying. So there's a problem, obviously, in, in femtech. There's a lack of awareness and there's a lack of resources. Um, there's a lack of awareness. You know, many people think this is about female founders. We just covered that. It's a big part of it, but it is not the goal here. Um, they also, there's not even just an external lack of awareness. We have an internal lack of awareness. So what I mean by that is the femtech community is very siloed. We haven't come together yet, just yet. It's starting. It's definitely starting. But, you know, one of the repercussions of us having internal, you know, blindness is that I've so far found 85 organic tampon startups. 35. Ladies, men. If you're going to start an organic tampon startup, I want to let you know it's been done. Please don't waste your time. We do not need any more organic tampon companies, okay? Um, I think that this replication of in innovation is due to the lack of awareness internally, where people don't even know what is already being worked on. Um, there's a lack of support for femtech um, companies. There's only, there. well, there's one accelerator that's supposed to happen this summer, summer 2020 in Israel, but with the... COVID-19, who knows if that's going to happen, um, but there's one boot camp, one accelerator. Um, there's only one fund that I know of, um, which is Portfolia. Portfolia has a femtech fund, but oh my God, I mean, how many AI venture funds are there? Like dozens, dozens. How many, oh, don't even get me started, SaaS enterprise, like software as a service enterprise investment firms. I mean, we're talking hundreds, yet there's only one fund that focuses on women's health and wellness, femtech. Um, I think that the reason there's a lack of investment in femtech is because usually femtech founders are the first person to save vagina in a boardroom. And um, having been a previous founder and myself and now an investor at a, at a venture firm, um, the only feeling you want in a boardroom when you're trying to fundraise is excitement, pure excitement. And I am concerned that when these femtech founders, you know, obligated to, they have to say the word pelvic floor or vaginal canal or nipple or whatever they need to say in order to describe what their product and company does. Unfortunately, a lot of these things are seen as uncomfortable, taboo. We live in a time of Me Too and all these men are worried about you know, talking about these types of things. 
again, podcast for another day probably, but um, that is a disadvantage to femtech founders because they're saying this word that they have to say, and then the room gets uncomfortable, and then everyone forgets about how big of a deal this is. And by deal, I mean like um, like money-wise, how big of an opportunity, an investment opportunity this company is because they got caught up on the word vagina. And so we need to say the word vagina, y'all. Say the V word. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Because... It is actually negatively impacting, in my opinion, this is a hypothesis. I don't have the, the test isn't done yet, right? But I think my hypothesis is that the more we can say vagina, the more people are going to get comfortable with it, and the more investments will be made into these life-giving companies. So the goal of this podcast is to talk about vaginas, empower and breasts and pelvic floors and women and all the things. I just, I'm stuck on the word vagina now. Um, but the goal of this podcast is to talk about it, all the it's. Empower existing femtech companies, inspire future femtech companies, and educate people on how you can support it. Um, by listening, subscribing to this podcast, you are supporting femtech. And if you are convinced that it's important, I'm going to need you to not only subscribe, put a five-star review, leave a comment, um, go to our website, femtechfocus.com, and you can subscribe to our email newsletter, um, get information about what's coming up. We're working on a conference. It's called Future of Femtech. You can check that website out too, Future of Femtech. It's taking place in Atlanta, Georgia. It's supposed to happen this fall, but we're pretty sure we're moving it to spring 2021 because of covid Oh, COVID. Um, but check it out. So femtechfocus.com, subscribe. Future of Femtech, subscribe so you know when the conference is coming out. The world needs to learn about what are the health needs of women. This is a vital life-giving podcast. So subscribe, support us. Supporting this podcast is an empowerment move. So do it. Until next time, keep innovating. And remember, improving women's health improves everyone's health. Till next time. Bye.